Welcome to Sibylline Podcasts, part of our World Risk Register Threat Monitoring Service. These podcasts are released on a weekly basis, covering timely and relevant topics. In these discussions, we hope to shed light on evolving scenarios and provide actionable predictions and implications. We hope you enjoy listening and welcome any feedback. Hello and welcome to the podcast. In this session, we're going to be talking about the regional implications in the Middle East of the recent death of Jamal Khashoggi, a popular Saudi journalist in uh, the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. And with me to do that, I'm joined by two of our esteemed analysts from our Middle Eastern team. So first of all, guys, perhaps you could take me through what happened. Hi, Pete. So, yes, as you said, uh, Jamal Khashoggi went into the consulate on the 2nd of October in Istanbul, Turkey, and he never came out. After speculations of what happened to him, finally, on the 15th of October, Turkish authorities were allowed inside to conduct their investigation. And following from that, on the 19th of October, finally, uh, contradicting their earlier statements, the Saudi authorities confirmed that Khashoggi has died inside the consulate during a fight. So what happened after that? Obviously, there has been an international backlash and um, international community has responded really, really strongly. But to sort of give you a summary of the Turkish side of things, Turkey has been on the fence about having a strong stance as to um, what happened to Jamal Khashoggi, they've been conducting conducting this investigation. And finally, this morning, President Turkish President Tayyip Erdogan made his um, statement, much anticipated statement. And he said that um, since this murder has taken place in Istanbul, it was um, it was up to the Turkish authorities to conduct a thorough investigation and find the truth about what happened to him. But so far, all the evidence pointed to a uh, premeditated murder, not a rogue killing, not a fight during a fight outbreak uh, that happened randomly. No, this was, he said, it looks very much premeditated. So that's quite a, uh, that's quite a strong statement from Erdogan. And, you know, am I right in thinking that there's been evidence leaked over the last few weeks from the investigation as well, is that correct? Yes, so certain evidence, certain footage has been linked to pro-government media outlets like Yeni Shafak. And this has been done in such a way that almost to keep pressure on Saudi Arabia and to the United States to a certain extent to sort of suggest that Turkey is willing to play along and cooperate. However, Turkey can also might not. So this is this has been the Turkish stand all along to keep both parties, U.S. and Saudi Arabia, under pressure while appearing to be objective to the international community. Mm. Now, Turkish President Tayyip Erdogan asked several questions to Saudi Arabia during his speech this morning, basically asking where the body, where is the body um, of Jamal Khashoggi, and why did you guys not let us into the consulate? For 14 days, why did you have to wait for 14 days? And if you're claiming that there has been Turkish accomplices, um, where are they and who are these people? But he also said something quite interesting. He said that um, he has faith in King Salman, that he's going to get to the bottom of this. And he and Erdogan believes King Salman's sincerity. And he said, I'm offering King Salman that um, 
Turkey can try this case here since it happened here. But this is just an offer and ultimately this is his decision. Now, this statement is important because it also highlights Erdogan's sort of willingness to de-escalate tensions with Saudi Arabia by appealing to the King Salman. The fact that he didn't even mention Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, also suggests that most of the criticism was targeting the crown prince. Mm. Okay, so just before we move on to the, um, the Saudi side of things, so it sounds like Turkey is trying to balance a lot of competing political interests here. Perhaps you could just expand a little bit on that, you know, who are the main players here and and how might they respond to Erdogan's uh, uh, comments this morning? Well, we have three main players here. So um, United States, um, President Trump mainly, Turkey, President Erdogan and Saudi Arabia. So Turkey released Pastor Andrew Brunson in an attempt to de-escalate tensions and normalize relations with the U.S., which actually turned out to be quite helpful for the economy. Turkish lira has been regaining its value against the U.S. dollar um, to a certain extent in the last couple of weeks. So it is not in Turkey's interest to pick a fight with Saudi Arabia, which would ultimately mean that they would have to pick a fight with the United States, who's been more or less on their own Saudi side. So Turkey has to do this balancing act where they have to appear like they're doing something about this. Because as President Erdogan highlighted several times during his speech, this happened in Turkey. And um, he, we are investigating, we're doing something. This is to the Western and international community. Whereas at the same time, Turkey wants to use this as an opportunity to rebuild damaged diplomatic, diplomatic relationships, especially with Saudi Arabia, which have significantly deteriorated following the GCC crisis. Mm. Okay, so let's look at the Saudi angle then. How does how does Riyadh see this? You know, what what's at, what's at play from the Saudi side? Basically, the Saudi Arabian side has been quite cautious. They haven't sought to you know escalate tensions at all. They've you know wanted to put a very sort of um, neutral position they've apologized to the family of Khashoggi they've you know they've tried to kind of sweep this under the rug in a way and kind of be done with the case because it doesn't bode very well for their reputation abroad and and that's kind of highlighted by you know several international and business executives pulling out of the ongoing um, future investment initiative conference that was scheduled to be in Riyadh uh, so the, the Saudi position has been very cautious. It's been sort of trying to minimize the damage that it's done to the kingdom, and it's kind of trying to um, get, 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 get rid of all this controversy and kind of move on from it, because it, it doesn't look very well for the kingdom. And th this shift in narrative and skepticism over the kingdom isn't actually a good thing for them, uh, as they're trying to diversify and get more you know, international investment and put themselves as a bigger international player. So you mentioned the uh, the economic forum, which I think is going on today. Yeah, it started today. And how important is that to the strategic economic plan, the Vision 2030 mm -hmm. uh, plan? How important is that particular forum? It's it's fairly it's it's fairly significant. It's one of the main events that Saudi Arabia has been trying to plan this year. I mean, they called it. Saudi Arabia's version of the Davos conference. It's it's a huge step forward for Mohammed bin Salman's Vision 2030, and it's a chance for their you know investment fund to actually get traction and get investment and um, to be able to push forward with modernization. And I mean, several high-profile executives were invited, and a lot of them went, and a lot of them pulled out. And um, you know, IMF delegates have also pulled out. So 
it's it was a chance for them to really push forward their economic plan, and it's kind of been overshadowed by the Khashoggi case. Right, and so uh, I guess the forum, in a sense, has been has forced companies investing in Saudi Arabia to decide whether they're going to be you know they've, they've got to make a stand either they go or they don't go and 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 that means something either way so how do you think Saudi Arabia will respond to those delegates who decided not to come in the future I think Saudi Arabia can't really afford to make any harsh and final statements right now um, internationally it's not looking so good for them um, although you know the US has kind of tacitly agreed to you know, support them, which is definitely a you know positive for the for the kingdom and for the royal family. I think that they can't really afford to make any final decisions on the people that haven't attended. Um, there might be some low level you know policy complications, but I don't see them you know making a very final statement like they would do with you know Canadian businesses with the whole human rights crisis going on with Saudi Arabia and Canada. I think they would try to kind of be much more conciliatory and kind of try and move on from the Khashoggi case and not attract enough as much attention. Um, because the more attention it gets, the more difficult it is for the kingdom to continue its policies. And from an analytical point of view, the fact that Khashoggi has 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 died, um, does that tell us anything about the risk profile in Saudi Arabia or you know the stability in Saudi Arabia? Is there anything that we can glean from from these events? I think operating in Saudi Arabia has been risky for a while now. Um, I think that's kind of a well-known fact. It's it's demonstrated by the ongoing crackdown on human rights activists, just purely about the potential reputational risks companies have when taking a stance on a particular issue in the country. I think the Khashoggi case is just one really big example of Saudi Arabia exerting some form of power. And I, they've tried to steer clear from any direct involvement of the royal family, which is, again, to be expected. They don't want this to receive as much attention as it has done. And I don't see the kingdom, you know, anticipating such a media storm that it's created. I think it's just one of those cases that just happens to be a pretty big galvanizing force in the international community. And I, I, didn't, I don't think that the kingdom planned for that to occur. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, just to wrap up then, what does this incident mean for commercial interests in the, in the broader region? For Turkey, it it doesn't really pose any risk to foreign companies operating in, in the country. Turkish President Tayyip Erdogan is at the moment very much looking to protect uh, companies in, in the country and attract foreign, atten- uh, foreign investors because the economy isn't doing so well. So when it comes down to it, he will, he will make sure to do whatever it, that needs to be done to protect those interests and businesses. And really, since this happened in Turkey and Turkey is basically leading the investigation, it's not a really a reputational issue for Turkey when it comes to the case of Khashoggi. Right, right. So um, as far as Turkey goes, that's, that's the case. And, and what about, I guess, from the Saudi angle or from the angle of businesses from around the world who are investing in or, or looking to invest mm-hmm. in Saudi Arabia? Are there any, are there any key risks that, uh, that are now exacerbated? Um, I think in terms of Western companies operating in Saudi Arabia, I don't foresee Riyadh trying to clamp down on that. The more investment, the better. And they, I don't see them trying to, you know, push companies away from Saudi Arabia, especially following, you know, rumors about Aramco not happening. I think they actually want people to stay on board um, with the country and they want them to invest. I mean, doing the Future Initiative Conference, despite the case, is an indication of them really wanting to continue with their economic reform. They might slow down the pace in the short term, but 
you know, after all, it, it is their plan to diversify and, and they do want to move forward with that. And the more foreign investment, the better. But for Western companies around the world, I, I do foresee some, you know, a slight elevation in reputational damage associated with businesses doing business in Saudi Arabia purely because there's a lot of backlash against Saudi Arabia right now from global activist groups. And certainly the arms trade debate has been, you know, reinvigorated by the situation. Um, yeah, so German Chancellor Angela Merkel has um, spoken about the issue and she said that they um, Germany will be halting all arms trade to the kingdom and Canada also said that they are considering this should it prove that they, the weapons are being misused. So there's definitely some sort of stand by Western governments from the um, arms trade angle. However, uh, US President Donald Trump stated that pulling out of arms deals is also a very risky move because it would cost millions of dollars and also a lot of jobs to the country. So that is something to consider here when we talk about arms trade. Yes, countries will take a stand coming from a reputational perspective. However, from an economic standpoint, it's very, very um, important to underline that there are these million dollar, billion dollar contracts going on. And it is very difficult for countries or companies to pull out from them because it would be very damaging financially. And also in terms of influence, of course, you know, exactly. Saudi Arabia and, and US influence in the region is, you know, is, is, is a big factor. And I imagine not wanting to, to reduce that influence. Guys, thank you very much for all of your insight there. As ever, if this conversation has sparked any thoughts or questions, please do not hesitate to get in touch and we'd be more than happy to answer them. Thank you for listening and we hope you have found this podcast useful. If you would like to learn more about our services or if you have any questions or feedback, please get in touch at info at sibyline.co.uk.